Welcome to the Fertility Podcast. I'm Natalie Selfman, your host. I've been uh, using my voice in my work for about 15 years now. I used to be on the radio. Now I'm podcasting and do a lot of voiceover work. Now, the Fertility Podcast has a whole host of episodes for you from adenomyosis to zero sperm. It's total A to Z of all sorts of things that affect you on your fertility journey. I'm mum to a little boy called Phoenix after having successful ICSI treatment, and that was my reason for starting the podcast. And I hope that if you found us, then you'll realise that you are not alone. This podcast is to help educate and empower you. I brought together as many experts and tried to share as many of your stories as possible. And I now have my wonderful co-host. I'm Kate Davis, a fertility nurse consultant, and I'm adamant that we can all do so much better at understanding our fertility. I'm really passionate about teaching you to take ownership of your fertility, teaching you practical steps, emotional coping strategies and lifestyle changes that you can make to hopefully optimise your chances of conceiving. Now you know who we are, all you need to do is enjoy the show. So welcome to this episode of the Fertility Podcast. Kate and I have decided to change what we had scheduled because in light of the coronavirus pandemic and the fact that it's a constantly changing situation, we wanted to try and give you some reassurance and a bit more insight into what might be going on in terms of your treatments. Kate, we know that this is an ever-changing scenario, but we, and I know that you're speaking to people on a daily basis, how are people's kind of anxieties um, in terms of conversations you're having? I'm seeing it bubbling. It, uh, it really is bubbling up now. There's a lot more worry. Generally, I'm getting a lot more questions about, you know, what can they do? Who can they talk to? Where can they get advice from? Um, so it's definitely, you can see the anxiety raising. Well, obviously, we've got this amazing Instagram community. There's a lot of conversations going on there. And we wanted to welcome Julie Morgan to the podcast. Julie's a consultant fertility nurse. And on Instagram, she's all about infertility. And she's been posting some really interesting and useful information. Julie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Now, we're very aware. We're speaking on Friday, mid-March. The podcast is going out on Monday. By the time we share this podcast, things might have changed But what we wanted to do is, as of now, talk about the practicalities of what's going on if people's treatment is being cancelled. So with that as a starting point, and we know that it's kind of so different for everybody, can you just talk through the things that people need to take into consideration? Yeah, of course. I mean, this is obviously completely heartbreaking for everyone. The preparation for fertility treatment can take months, if not years, and it takes its toll physically, mentally, financially. To now be told after all that that, that you can't carry on is, is devastating for people. There's a lot of anxiety out there, understandably. I think firstly, it's important to say that not all treatments are being cancelled. There is widespread discrepancy between the recommendations of the various clinics, and that's normal in this kind of situation. Different clinics will be doing different things based on whether they're NHS or they're private or where they are in the country. So it's very, very important that you look at yourself as an individual, of course, but also then take your individual advice from your clinic. Contact your clinic and ask them what their up-to-date information is because it's it's changing daily. You'll, you'll see from the clinic's websites that they're updating daily, some of them sometimes even from morning to afternoon. So the clinics are trying really hard, really, really, really hard. And most of them are putting on extra staff to speak to patients. But we have moving goalposts constantly. 
you know, and so we're just trying to, to sort of do the best everyone can. It's going to be important to also know where people are in their treatment, what treatment they're having. It's very different whether they're about to start an IVF cycle, in the middle of an IVF cycle, having a frozen embryo replacement or an IUI, whether that's happening as a natural cycle or an HRT cycle. From a purely practical point of view, if they haven't started an IVF cycle, for example, and they're on down regulation, don't stop any medication. Don't do anything without speaking to your clinic. I was speaking to a lady yesterday who has literally had a couple of years worth of preparation because she's got very severe endometriosis. She's had operations, she's had long down regulation. Now her clinic, for example, may choose to keep her on down regulation. It's fine to keep someone on for a long period of time. We do do that sometimes, particularly when we're synchronizing egg donation cycles and recipients. So it may not be the end of what you're, you're expecting to do. So speak to your clinic individually. For other people, it will be fine. The, the clinics will say, okay, stop your down regulation. It will be a case of just waiting for your period to come. That will eventually settle. Unfortunately, it, it, it isn't going to make people feel great. The whole hormonal roller coaster is not going to add to how people are feeling at the moment. But your clinic will be there for you. Clinics will stay open. There will be staff available. They will be there to help you and to counsel you and to advise you. So keep, you know, keep, keep speaking to them. Julie, just going back to um, kind of communication from the clinic. I know at the moment, you know, communication with anyone, I'm, I'm trying to ca- cancel a Ryanair flight nightmare. You know, you just can't get through. How easy is it for people to be able to talk directly to their clinic? And how do you, what's your kind of feeling? How, how have, what have you heard about how the clinics are communicating? So should people be expecting phone calls? Are they getting letter in the post? You know, how are they, how can they find out information? I've had a lot of private messages this week through Instagram with people are quite concerned initially because I think initially clinics weren't actually sure really what to say or what was going to happen. I think that the situation now as the week has gone on has become much clearer. I think even if clinics are not able to get through to every single patient straight away, maybe email your clinic if you can't get through to them by phone. Um, Keep checking their website. I know clinics are trying to update things as much as they can. And I guess just keep trying really, because they will get back to people. They are saying on their websites, we will Sorry, contact. Julie, hold that thought. Please, please, you need to go. I'm on a call. Mummy, can I show you what, can I just show you what I found in my pool? I don't, quick, quick. Stop. Go, 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 shut the door. Please, I'm recording. Thank you. Shut the door. Oh, this is my life for the next 12 weeks. I know, I know. <laughs> but do you know what? We just have to work around it. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> It's quite funny in some ways, isn't it? Yeah. Keep trying to contact your your clinic. They will get back to you. You know, I guess it's like it like anything else. They're probably a bit inundated at the moment, but mm. and they may need to prioritize certain patients, as in the patients that are literally on um treatment, or the patients perhaps that are in the middle of an IVF cycle are not more important. Of course they're not more important, but from a purely physical point of view, they have to know what to do with their injections. They have to know what to do with their stimulation, all this kind of stuff. But I'm sure they will come back to you. So just keep trying. So that was going to be my next question. If you are due for a collection, you know, and you, you, you're mid-cycle and there's obviously fears about social distancing and everything, you're still likely to be able to go and have your eggs collected? Yes, that definitely seems to be what's happening. I mean, they're, they're I imagine there must be thousands of patients in the UK who are in this position, uh, you know, from judging by the amount of cycles that happen every year. Clinics are trying their best to uh, stagger appointments. So perhaps normally you'd have a couple of 
hundred people in over the day, you'll stagger all of that. A lot of a lot of appointments are being done by Skype and by telephone in a different way. So you're only bringing in the people that need to come in, and the appointments are being staggered, so not everyone's coming in at the same time. People who are due for egg collection, you will have people who literally started stimulation perhaps yesterday or the day before, so they're going to have now another ten to fourteen days before their egg collection. And it's going to be interesting to see now what happens in the UK with regard to people moving around, but. I know clinics, for example, that you might go in, say I'm here, and then instead of going to sit in the waiting room, you might be asked to go and sit in your car while you wait for your appointment. Mm -hmm. And it's just a case of getting things through as quickly as possible. From a stimulation, stimulation point of view and an egg collection point of view, clinics, unless you are showing symptoms... Um, a cough, a temperature, all of these sorts of things, you will be allowed to continue your stimulation unless your specific clinic has says otherwise. And some of them are on their website saying that they may do that. But as a general rule, you will finish your stimulation and then your, and your clinic will be speaking to you at the moment about whether to put embryos back as a fresh or whether to freeze. And a lot of clinics at the moment are recommending freezing. Um, Kate, going back to what are people saying to me, mm. 100% of people that I've spoken to this week are still wanting to have a fresh embryo transfer. Mm. But that will completely depend upon the clinic's advice and what the clinic's protocols are. And kind of what, I mean, I know it's a really difficult question to answer, Julie, but are there any concerns around women having a fresh transfer and then potentially being an early pregnancy because we know that women who are pregnant have been advised to self-isolate so what kind of what is the feeling generally around that I think the, the general feeling is the same as the reason that ESHRA the BFS ASRM have released the guidance that they have is because because people are being, just being careful they're being very careful now obviously from this point of view, this is what your clinic will speak to you about. There is guidance from the Royal College of Gynecologists and clinics are taking all of this on a day-to-day basis and you, you need to speak to them. They'll speak to you as an individual. Talking about the different ways that we make babies and the cycles work, what does it mean if somebody is planning to be a donor in this scenario? Um, well, Natalie, the the advice, the, the sort of legal advice at the moment is that clinics are need to follow the blood transfusion and tissue transportation services advice, which is patients must not donate if returning from or having recently traveled from a high-risk country, and they must wait a minimum of 28 days following recovery from a coronavirus infection from themselves or if they've been in contact with an uninfected person. That, I guess, at the moment is the minimum advice. I have seen that some clinics for, for ladies who are in the midst of a stimulation cycle who were about to receive donor eggs, clinics are advising freeze those embryos and then replace in a later cycle. That's not the same for everyone. So again, yeah, I'm sorry to be vague, but you must speak to your individual clinic. We just want to get the kind of overview. We know, thank you, Julie, that it's so ever-changing with all the different clinics. And I know you can't speak for all of them, but I think it's really useful for people to know a little bit of an insight of what they need to be thinking about. And what about, we talked about coming back from countries of, of risk. If people have had some treatment abroad, how does that impact I think it's an already difficult situation when you've had treatment abroad. You you come into that difficult zone where you you sort of you're in a clinic abroad, and it, again, as Kate was saying, it's often difficult to contact people, which might be even more difficult at the moment mm. to take advice from the clinic that you've had treatment from. But as well, if you're coming back from a country that has been severely severely affected, sorry, you may need to self isolate. You'll need to follow the general advice, but that's 
you know, that's also going to add to the stress levels. And who do you speak to? I've had a quick look on all of the different European websites this morning. Very few of them say that they're actually not still treating patients. So, but interesting. Yes, I know. Okay. Uh, yeah, sorry. You probably saw my eyes. I can my, see your face. Yes. Eyebrows raised. And I, I was like, wow. Yeah. Okay. I, that- think, I think logistically, really, it's not possible to travel around at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to be able to get a flight out there and things. So it's only people that will have had treatment very, very recently that mm-hmm. are going to be affected in this way. Everyone else will have their treatment postponed or stopped or suspended for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't know if you can answer this question, Julie, but in terms of clinics and their kind of crisis management of worst case scenarios, is this type of thing something that had been kind of thought about in some of the conversations that you've had that this type of, I don't know, that there would have to be preparations for and well, what is now a a pandemic? um, Contingency plans, that's what it is. Yeah. Do do clinics have contingency plans for this type of... I suppose they must do. Yeah, we'd, yeah. Yeah. As with all medical practices, there is always contingency plans for all sorts of things. And and it, it depends on where you are. You know, if you're in sort of central London, then you almost have a, a contingency plan for a terrorist attack. We, there, there's sure. we have plans for almost everything. But again, it's it's a case of just as a, you know, as a, as a manager being agile and just take the situation as it comes and assess things accordingly and then plan immediately, really. And one other thing I just wanted to ask was if people are self-funding and, you know, the treatment is scuppered for whatever reason, obviously there's going to be those concerns with people. We've got financial concerns all around us. Is there going to be, you know, those are those kind of conversations going to be able to, to happen in terms of if someone has to cancel or how, how does that affect um, looking at the, all the various clinics at the moment, I haven't yet found a clinic in the UK that is not saying that if they're advising to patients to freeze embryos in the middle of a, a fresh cycle, that they're, they're doing that free of charge um, and are not charging storage fees. So that's a little bit more okay. reassuring for patients. We haven't got that to worry about. But there may be the added um, financial burden later when in a few months time when we restart patients may need to repeat screening tests they may need to repeat monitoring cycles you know there's all that sort of thing and hopefully clinics moving forwards down the line will be I don't know how to say this but you know helpful to patients in that regard shall we say well I think already we're seeing an amazing amount of people doing things in so many different inventive ways to continue what they're doing but just doing it differently and let's just hope that that's the same for the clinics that they can carry on operating carry on providing a service to the patients but also understanding all the pressures that are clearly going to be here for some time both financially and emotionally and well in every single way at the moment exactly julie thank you so much for your time you can follow julie at all about infertility on her instagram where she's busily updating with really really useful information thank you for uh, what you're sharing julie it's yeah. it is really useful you're welcome. It is. thank you ladies yes it's so so useful julie i'm i'm as you know reposting your stuff because <laughs> it's just so interesting and so useful to everybody so thank you so much So make sure you do follow Julie on her Instagram to stay up to date. We're going to carry on sharing these short snippets of episodes. I think we might just push our planned episodes on a few weeks because we've got some planned chats with the infertile midwife who's going to talk about uh, her 
cancelled cycle and you will probably have seen the open letter that she's been sharing on Instagram. And we're also going to be talking to at IVF Pineapple, who is going to be talking to us about her cancellation of her donor egg cycle. And we're going to see what other experts we can get to come on and chat with us. I'm kind of playing a bit of tag with Dr. Larissa Corder, who is madly busy at the moment. She's got some great advice to share as well. For now, though, do make sure you're following us on our socials. I'm at Fertility Poddy. And I'm at Your Fertility Journey. And if you are at home and you're having to self-isolate, you have got a whole load of episodes that you can go back and listen to. You can use this time to maybe learn more and understand more about your fertility if your treatment has been cancelled. You can share this podcast with people who might have time to understand more about your situation but just know that we're here we're going to carry on sharing content we're here to answer your questions and and support you as as much as possible and just stay safe in this in this mad time 